0: everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel good podcast for this week. We're going to talk about WandaVision. We're going to talk about a movie. We're going to talk about a trip. And we're going to talk about some video games. That's right, this week we talk about the finale of WandaVision and the making of, of WandaVision on Disney Plus um, in two separate segments because I watched them at two separate times. Um, we also talk about Disney's latest animated film, Raya and the Last Dragon, which I did cave and buy for $30 uh, and we'll see if that was a good idea or not. I took a recent trip, uh, it was an overnight adventure into the Northern Cascade Mountains and we talk a little bit about that. Uh, And then we spend a good amount of time talking about Xbox Game Pass and their recent acquisition of Bethesda as well as their merging with EA Play on PC. And finally we end this week with talking about the latest box of snacks which this month hailed from Germany. Uh, that is pretty much what's going on. I know I'm I'm now forever like a week behind when it comes to the podcast, at least in terms of um, Disney Plus shows. Like, I've already seen um, the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we won't talk about that until next week, um, which I actually kind of prefer because if there's a week behind um then it gives people more time to have a chance to like watch it so you don't get spoiled um so i'm, I'm okay with that move but because i i kind of took last week off because of my birthday um that is that is where we're at i hope you're all doing well um today's a weird day for me i like i said i took the week off for my birthday and as of recording this it is the the last day of that air quotes vacation and so it is a uh, a day of like making sure my my fridge is stocked and um, ensuring everything is as copacetic as I can get it before the week truly begins again. Um, and yeah, it's a uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a busy day for me. Um, but there you go. Before we get into the podcast, I did have two notes. Uh, one. Uh, some of the more eagle-eyed amongst you will have noticed that on Audiobooks by Andrew, there is a brand new audiobook that has been uploaded in its entirety, and that book is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. This was a book that we read on the podcast a long time ago, and then we stopped not only reading books on the podcast, but reading that book on the podcast. However, because I was more than two-thirds of the way done with the book, I finally sat down for, like, six hours and finished it. So, the entire book of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is now available for you to listen to. I will be the first to tell you that it is not good. It is not a good book. And it's not, like, bad as in, like, Twilight Bad where it's, like, fun to make fun of the dumb characters. It's just not a very interesting book. Um... And had I known, I never would have read it. However, because I had sunk so much time into it, I know the song cost fallacy and blah, 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 blah. But whatever. I, I had done most of it. I wanted to finish it. It's available. It's not particularly fun. I'll be the first to tell you that. But if you have some desire to listen to a Jules Verne book read by me, well, then there you go. It is complete with bad French accents and me ignoring the scientific names of every single fucking fish in that book. The second note, obviously, is the same note as it always is, and that is if you like the Going Up cast and want to support the Going Up cast, please feel free to swing by patreon.com forward slash going up cast. Become a $5 patron where you get access to my movie commentary tracks, and that's basically it. Um, I've kind of put a a freeze on the Nuzlocke run for a while. Um, I was never truly happy with how it looked in terms of me filming it with my cell phone, um, because of the the like the wobbliness of the controller because you know you have to like pick it up and stuff um, and so my game plan is I'm going to wait for the Gen 4 remake of Pokemon because I can separate the controllers from the switch which means the screen and the camera will be perfectly steady while the controllers are mobile in my hands um, and I think that game will lend itself to being filmed in such a manner a lot more easily than um, my 3DS. So that is the plan. I'm working on coming up with a, another exclusive series of either a video game or, or something um, live action that will uh, go up on Patreon in exchange for the Nuzlocke run. Um, I, just, I just wanted you guys to, to be aware of, of the changes going on over on that side. But I did just finish recording uh, the Goblet of Fire track, um, so that will go up this week. And then um, I'll keep working on on some other stuff. Um, Just wanted to keep you guys posted on all that stuff because that's kind of what the beginning of the podcast is for, is for updates and stuff like that. Anyway, that's enough hearing from me. Here is an hour of hearing from me. So I caved and I got my hands on Ryan the Last Dragon. That's right, I paid the $30 price tag to see Ryan the Last Dragon. Now in my defense, I did make it financially viable by um, basically getting a a group of people together and uh, we watched it. Well, you know, within our bubble, social distance, all that, it's fine. Um, But we watched the movie um, there were more than enough of us there to counteract the, the financial cost of the movie. Like if we went to see this movie in theaters altogether, we saved a bunch of money doing it this way. So we, we decided to get together. We actually watched, um, Ryan, the last dragon and the, the final episode of WandaVision all together. Um, but I'll talk about WandaVision in the next bit. We'll be talking about Ryan, the last dragon in this one. So it is decent. Um, I mean it is incredibly well animated it is gorgeously animated which goes without saying Um, there were definitely some pretty obvious influences um, like old school kind of samurai movies Um, Kubo and the two strings was definitely a big influence on this movie Um, kind of kind of a lot Um, I could point to pretty much exact scenes between the two and be like, oh, yep, that's where this came from. Um, the story itself is not original. Um, this idea of these people lived together in peace, they had a falling out. Spiritual animals have gone away. There's some nameless entity forest that's killing all the humans. Uh, we need to work together to defeat a great evil. Like it's that. That's basically the story. Um, the characters are fun. I, I love any movie where like the 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 party the group of of heroes slowly come together over the course of the film um i'm a sucker for anything like that and that's exactly what this movie is i uh, they pick up like pieces of their group in like every major part of the country um and i thought that was fun the music is really good it was james um newton howard i think is 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 their name and they've done uh they've done i think i think they did the chronicles of narnia Um, if I were to guess off the top of my head. I'm like trying to think of like movies I know they've done. Um, and I think they did. Uh, yep, James Newton Howard. Did you do The Chronicles of Narnia? Did you do The Chronicles of Narnia? Prove me right, you asshole. No, he didn't. Damn it. What did you do? Dark Knight, shared with Hans Zimmer. Atlantis, The Lost Empire. He did that movie. Um... Did you not do? No, he didn't. Okay, King Kong in two thousand and six. Fantastic Beasts. So dinosaur. So he's 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 done some some Disney movies before, um, which is nice. I could have sworn you did Chronicles of Narnia. Who did Chronicles of Narnia then? Why is this? Why is that movie like at the forefront of my head? Oh, who cares? Uh, the cast was all excellent. Um, Kelly uh, Marie Tran, who most people know from Star Wars Episode Eight. As whatever their character's name was in Star Wars Episode Eight, Aquafina, who I've definitely seen in a lot more movies uh, within the last couple of years than like in the past, which is probably to be expected. Um, I don't know anything about Aquafina, but I thought they did a great job. Um, Benedict Wong was in there. Alan Tudyk was in there. Sandra Oh, Daniel day Kim. a lot of great actors. Just a just a, just a wonderful wonderful cast right there. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 a fun ride um i don't not once in this movie was i surprised i enjoyed the choreographed action scenes i thought those were very good um i loved the way the dragons looked um i thought that was great there's some pretty heavy uh uh like fucking my little pony influences for this um each dragon had its own special power and in the end it was friendship that saves the day um so you know that was that was the thing Um, and once I started thinking about it in that milieu, it was hard to pull away from it, especially when it kept just kind of adding on top of the similarities. Um, none of this is, is a bad thing. Like just because it's, it shares elements of other pieces of media I've seen does not make it a bad film. It's still a good film. It objectively is, is a solid film. There are a couple of moments that don't make any sense. Like where did she get the crossbow? Once you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. That crossbow just appears out of fucking nowhere. And her trying to pull, like, you're just as responsible for this shit as I am. No, motherfucker, you're the one that fired the crossbow. It is completely your fault. Like, there, there was... This whole movie kind of centers around, like, humanity being garbage people. And they need to, like, work together in order to not be garbage people. And right when somebody has an opportunity to not be a garbage person, they actually double down On being a garbage person. They're like no wait we can't do that. Because if we save the world. They'll know it was our fault that the world broke. So what we need to do. Is fucking get that dragon. And then save the world. And then we'll be heroes. And I'm like my god. Like it's it's kind of astounding. To that they would go to like that level. Um, Like I know this movie is trying to really showcase. That humans at their core are basically good. Um, but they're really not in this film. Uh, if humans were left to their own devices, they would have destroyed themselves. If it wasn't for the external godlike powers of the dragons, all of the people in this movie would have died. Um, so, does kind of lose a little bit of its, um, of its messaging there. The same kind of logic of, like, um, in the fucking Planes movie, when, no one's seen Planes, but in Planes, um... He wants to be a racing plane, and so they like have this montage of him like working to fly faster, and then they just upgrade his engine so he physically flies faster because he's just built better. Like, And then the metaphor kind of falls apart by being like, you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it, or you can just cheat and give yourself a racing plane engine, which is what they do in the movie. Anyway, um, yeah, I think if I gave Raya square, I gave it a 9 out of 10 after, like, finishing it like my gut reaction was that now that i've kind of had time to kind of let it stew and sit on it it's probably closer like a seven um it's definitely decent i don't think anybody who's a big disney fan or anything like that will like be upset when you see it um i think in order for you to probably have like the best time watching it you may want to wait until it's free on disney plus Um, unless you get like some folks together and watch it on, um, with pay the pay of the movie there, that's, you know, up to you for sure. Um, I know it got like a 95% in Rotten Tomatoes and I think that is rather generous, but it's definitely good. It is, it is far from the worst movie I've ever seen. Let's put it that way and let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. WandaVision episode nine. It has come to an end. This is the final WandaVision episode. I'm pretty sure we're ever going to get. A lot of people have been wondering about like a season two. I would be stunned if we got a season two. Not that there isn't a possible story to be made with season two. I can think of one right off the top of my head. I think I think there is potential growth for a second season of WandaVision. Um, I just don't see that being a thing. And maybe if we talk about it, it'll it'll become clear. So... Final episode of WandaVision. Um, Wanda goes up against Agnes. Um, does some some fun tricks. And eventually defeats Agnes. Um, uh, and then there's a, a bunch of sad scenes of Wanda basically having to say goodbye to Vision and her kids. As they fade away um, with the, the end of the hex. Um, Wanda... My, all of my predictions for the finale of WandaVision were wrong. Uh, Cumberbatch never showed up. Xavier didn't show up. Um, I think I I think this was one of my theories for how this was going to end was that Wanda was going to overcome basically her her demons to uh, repair the the town of Westview, which is what she does in the end. Um, it this show ends as well as anyone could have hoped. I feel they they had a very high bar to land. I am very satisfied with the ending of this show. I thought it was pretty fantastic. Um, I think Wanda has learned a lot, um, and I, I very much enjoyed the show from beginning to end. I feel like if I were to look back on it, um, the the bits with the sitcom and all that, all that wonderful stuff, and like the shit that made you like feel really uneasy, that stuff. The first like three episodes before episode four hit and kind of really explained everything and brought into the scope of the show were some of my favorite moments of this whole show. Like, and the viewing experience of that, I feel like really brought the show up like a whole bunch of rungs on the ladder. The whole like, what's going on and talking to people and theorizing about where the show was going to go. All of that was incredible and I loved it. And then the show continued to evolve and, ...kind of narrowed its scope and its view... ...and then eventually we got to the finale we got to... ...which I think is perfectly in keeping with the scope of the show. I think it makes total sense for the way it went. Um, I don't feel like I was a letdown at all. I very much enjoyed it. If I were to make a second season of WandaVision... ...what I would do is I would set it with Wanda and White Vision... ...who um, presumably has his memories restored... ...before he fucking bolted. Um, And I'm confident we will see White Vision again... At some point, you cannot have a loose thread like that and not bring his ass back. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting. And um, at the very end, it showed Wanda studying like the Book of the Damned or whatever to learn more about spellcasting. So, so that's fun. Um, and I guess we'll, I guess we'll see what happens next because now she's kind of, maybe not fully realized, but she's definitely getting there in terms of being a full-blown Scarlet Witch. Um, and that will be, that'll be particularly interesting to see, especially in Doctor Strange 2, where according to, uh, Agnes, she's actually more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. So I wonder how that's going to go down. I guess we'll find out, but, um, I'm excited and I'm thrilled with how this, uh, this ended and I want everybody to go see it because I thought it was one of the, probably my, it is the best original show on Disney plus. I think the Mandalorian can suck it. This was so much better than the Mandalorian. I like this way more than the Mandalorian. Um, not that the Mandalorian is all that bad, but you know this is this is my preferred favorite. And what's great about Marvel's stuff on Disney Plus is that this next week we get the making of WandaVision, and then the week after that it launches us straight into Winter Soldier or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, Marvel will have a new piece of content for us to watch every single week for the rest of the year, and that is fucking crazy. And I'm. I'm so excited. Somebody mentioned to me, um, I think it might've been, uh, my dad mentioned to me that like Marvel has resuscitated this desire to see weekly content. Um, because most of the people I know and interact with do not have cable. And so having this, this kind of weekly thing where you're just like, Oh, it's, it's a new Marvel show, uh, to watch on Disney plus. Like it has that kind of feel where it's like every Friday you can count on there being a new Marvel piece. Just like however Thursday I can count on there being a new episode of Critical Role. So, it's always fun to look forward to things. Especially something on Friday where it's like the end of your long work week. And you can kick up your feet and turn on some, some awesome TV that you know is going to be like incredibly high budget and really well made. Because Marvel has such a great reputation for that stuff. Um, and I am very excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it's going to be a little bit of like shell shock moving from something as weird as WandaVision to something that I feel like is going to be a lot more grounded um in Falcon and the Winter Soldier so we will see I think overall I give WandaVision as a show probably oh god I think you know eight feels good eight out of ten feels feels proper for WandaVision there I'm sure there are some things that aren't the greatest but it's it's a pretty phenomenal show moving on to the next thing in the podcast first episode of Marvel's Assembled show has finally landed on Disney+. Plus. And if you don't know what that is, this is the uh, show that will, I guess, kind of exist in perpetuity uh, for all of Marvel's projects. It is their making of documentary series that they will be doing for all of the Marvel um, Disney Plus shows and all of the Marvel movies coming out this year. And it's awesome to see that sort of dedication to these these featurettes things that would have been um dvd bonus features uh if given the chance and i'm sure that many of them will be like if you were to buy wandavision on dvd i'm not even sure if that's possible but if you were you could theoretically get the making of featurette as a bonus feature. So if you want to think about it as just an entire show built around making bonus features, then there you go. Um, and of course, the first episode is the making of Wandavision. It's about an hour long, um, and it goes through the the technical production side of making like each sitcom episode, as well as the the real world side of things. You get to hear from uh, the majority of the of the big actors. Um, in the show, uh, like Wanda and Vision and um, Agnes and um, Darcy and James Wu and all that stuff. You hear from everybody and, uh, and their experiences um, making the show. And it's really cool to see like some of the camera tricks they use and how Vision was actually blue for all the black and white scenes because the blue played better um, once the black and white filter was applied to it than red did. Um, which I thought was very interesting. That is certainly not something I ever would have known if it wasn't for uh, making a featurette like this. Uh, and it was uh, it was very cool. Documentaries like this tend to uh, very, are, are, in my opinion, are very helpful when it comes to understanding and appreciating the the final show. Uh, like my appreciation for Frozen Two dramatically increased after I had seen uh, Into the Unknown, the, the the six episode making of for Frozen Two. So stuff like this, I love stuff like this. I love the behind the scenes. I love how they did it. I love seeing the uh, the action sequences shot when they're like fully rigged up in the in the wires and all that stuff before uh, visual effects can be applied to it. Seeing like that that kind of um like naked honesty of the actual production and how much of their stuff was practically done versus digitally done later on, and it's 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 very fun and it's very insightful. Uh, and I cannot wait to see more of these things as these projects continue to go. The next one up, of course, is Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I am very excited about. Captain America was my favorite of the original MCU lineup. And I'm excited to see his legacy uh, continue in a uh, in a different way. Um, even though I do not believe uh, actual Captain America will make a new appearance in the show. I'm sure he will be there in flashbacks. I'd be very surprised if Griffith Evans was a part of that show in any significant capacity because as far as the current understanding of the Marvel lore goes, uh, he's an old man. So, I don't know. Maybe he'll be on the phone or something. He'll just be like, Remember, remember Falcon, you throw the shield with your non-dominant hand or something like that. That could be really fun. But if you like making up featurettes, then the one for WandaVision is wonderful and it's charming and it very much... Increases the appreciation of the show, which is what all good documentaries based around the art of making entertainment for the screen should do. Let's move on to the next thing of the podcast. Hey everybody, it is me. I don't know why I'm introducing... Anyway, Um, I just got back from a little bit of an overnight adventure that I went and took um, to celebrate uh, this past week, which was my uh, my birthday week. Um, well, technically, my birthday was Thursday, but I took the entire week off to um, just kind of just kind of chill. I, I accrue. This is gonna sound like an, I'm an asshole. Um, but I I accrue PTO at a uh, an enormous rate. Um, so I am trying to ensure that I uh, don't have any time roll over. Um, and so it's either I take off like. Uh, A week here and there throughout the year or basically the entire month of December. um, Which has its own pluses and cons, but I like the idea of spreading it out. So I took a week off and um, early on in that week, on Monday, I loaded up my kayak and I headed back into the mountains to um, Diablo Lake up in the North Cascade National Park. And my goal was to kayak the, the entire lake. It's a fairly small lake as far as lakes are lakes go. Um, like uh, when you go to the viewpoint, you can see the majority of the lake from there. And uh, the idea was to go up and kayak for a while, and then I had an Airbnb lined up uh, that I was going to stay in that night. So started off the morning, finishing up my packing, and then I hit the road at like ten, um, maybe I think like nine forty-five. If I'm if I'm being honest. My first stop was to pick up lunch and dinner, which, uh, for this adventure, consisted of two Subway sandwiches. Um, I went over to uh, a subway near the town of cedro Woolley, which is, like, just off the highway. Like, right as I'm turning to, like, go um, east into the mountains, uh, there was a subway, and I was like, perfect. So I just pulled into the subway, and and there was was one person working there, and um, I I ordered uh, simpler sandwiches than I normally get just to, like kind of expedite it, um, also I didn't want to be that person, like, she's the only one there, I'm the only one there, I don't want to, like, make a super complicated fucking Subway sandwich, I mean, I know it's, I know it's their job, but that's not, I don't know, I just, I felt a little bit bad, um, so I, I just got, like, banana peppers and mustard or something like that on paper, a really terrible sounding sandwich, but it, it tasted good, so I don't really care, um, and I, I experienced something weird um apparently at least at that subway I don't know if this is this is true for all subways they have a an established like alarm system that sounds exactly like a fire alarm going off to alert them of when a mobile order comes in and I'm like sweet Jesus it was it was like intrusive and incredibly sharp and like it kept going until she like responded to the mobile orders, and I'm just like, God damn, that's that's a lot to to enforce on your on your employees. Anyway, I uh, got my sandwiches, and then I continued on the road. I didn't really stop anywhere along the way. I've I've driven this road several times in the past, um, and it's a wonderful drive. It's 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 fantastic. Um, seeing the changes in nature and actually. Entering the National Park and driving through towns like New Halem and Marble Mountain stuff like that. It's just it's just fine Uh, And then I made it to the lake itself. I was the only one there Um, I I drove up to the Viewpoint to eat one of my sandwiches and then I drove back down to the beach where I proceeded to change into my wetsuit Um, I had a wetsuit my waterproof shell my life jacket uh, Some waterproof gloves and then I inflated the kayak and basically hit the water. Um, I had like my dry bag and stuff with me for like my phone and keys and things like that. Um, and I just started paddling around. I was on the water for about... What was my estimate? I think I was on the water for like three and a half hours. And in that time, I paddled down um, to one end of the lake and then back up um, on the return and uh, the majority of an other side of the lake. Um, but about halfway through, I started getting this weird feeling I couldn't identify, and then I recognized it as boredom. Um, because I couldn't move particularly quick with the kayak. Um, and the the landscape didn't change all that much. The water was fairly calm, which made it easy to kayak. Um, but I think it was also like, I felt fairly restricted because of the wetsuit, which while it did technically fit, I needed to leave open at the back because I've gained a lot of mass in my um upper body than i had when i used the wetsuit originally when i went like scuba diving and stuff like that so i needed to have that like looser but it was really tight in the arms and so like fatigue was setting in um because like i couldn't i wasn't as flexible as i normally am and because i wasn't the lake was larger on the water than it appeared um the, the view i was seeing did not change particularly often Um, and so there wasn't a lot of stuff to really look at either, um, that, and it was very cold. Um, and so I got back on shore, you know, after like three hours of kayaking and, uh, proceeded to tear down and put everything away. Um, I wouldn't properly seal up the kayak or properly dry it until the next day because the beach was incredibly sandy and I was freezing and just tired. And so I just... I I tore everything down as much as I needed to in order to get it in the back of the car. And I was like, I'll just deal with this later. And I did deal with it later. Like The next day, I took care of everything properly and as of recording this, it's all been packed away and sealed up and awesome, so it's all all taken care of and done. Um, But after doing all of that, I then proceeded to wolf down my second uh, Subway sandwich. And then I started heading on back um, towards uh, the town of Concrete where the Airbnb is. But on my way out of the National Park, I finally stopped at a sign that was a, uh, a sign of a hiking trail to a place called Pyramid Lake. Um, and I didn't know anything about the trail to Pyramid Lake, so I decided to just like give it a go and start walking it. It was incredibly steep, um, and you ascended uh, quite quickly up into the mountains. And I saw some deer up there. They were very cute. I saw a mom and a baby. The baby was very fluffy um, But after about 30 minutes of that not knowing how far it was to the lake I decided to turn around and head back which was the right call and Because I later found out that the from that point uh, to get to pyramid lake was a 3.4 mile hike um, And that would have uh, that would have been bad to do when I was just tired from kayaking so I got back in the car And headed on my way. I did slip, like, on the tail end of the hike and kind of banged my wrist, but so far, it's fine. You know, it's not, definitely not broken and I can do everything with my hands. It just hurt, like, a little bit. So, there was that. And then I headed off to concrete for the Airbnb. It was a 30-minute drive at that point to get to the Airbnb, which was a treehouse. Um... It was in this uh, complex of treehouses. There was a, there was another one, and they were in the process of building a third. I want to say, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, um, my treehouse was called uh, like Pond Perch or something like that. They had built a uh, like a little man-made pond, and it was it was all very cute, and there were LED string lights like all over the treehouse, and uh, it was made out of like cedar and it smelled like cedar and it was very cute and there was a little uh, uh, space heater that was designed to look like a wood burning stove that I thought was really cool um, and basically as soon as I got everything I needed out of the car into the treehouse and like you know went to the bathroom and did some uh, cleanliness activities um, my body like shut off and it was like 6 30 and it was like it's bedtime right? And I'm like, nah, it's, I mean, we could do, no, nah, it's bedtime. And so I, I got in PJs and brushed my teeth and took melatonin because even though I was tired, I wanted to like stay asleep because it's always weird to sleep in like a, an unfamiliar environment. And uh, I was out like light um, and I proceeded to wake up at midnight and then like every hour after that for a number of reasons. One, the melatonin had worn off and two, frogs. A a ludicrous a, a, a copia amount of frogs, like more frogs than I was expecting, quite frankly. Um, and they were they were croaky little bastards. Um, but it was awesome to hear them because I haven't heard frogs in a very long time. I do not live in an, in an area where animals of that nature um, are are common, and it was it was really cool to be kind of amongst nature in that way. I don't hear like any. Uh, noises outside of my apartment anymore. Like in college, I heard the train all the time, um, but here it's like occasionally I'll hear like neighbors and stuff. But that's like it. I don't hear animals. I'm I'm so cut off from from the natural world that um, I don't hear frogs or anything like that. So it was nice to be out there and hear some fucking frogs. I thought that was very cool. Uh, and then I woke up at like with the dawn. Um, as soon as the sun was up, I packed up and bailed. Um, because I needed to take care of my camping stuff and kind of simmer down for the rest of that day. Um, I had to pull over and get gas at Costco though, cause I was running on empty. And as I'm leaving the Costco gas station, uh, the car in front of me like stops and the driver got out and, um, I was, I was confused. And so I'm like doing like the sideways head tilt and I look at them and as I start like pulling around and they're like waving frantically at me. And so I roll down my window. And I'm like, you all right. And, uh, she goes and points at a sign across the street and says something along the lines of, uh, that sign is from my ex-boyfriend who's stalking me. Um, and then proceeded to elaborate on that story. Um, and I was just like, I was tired and not really aware of other people at that time. So I was just like, oh, that's rough. Bye. Um, not as rude. I would hope. Um, but I, I basically heard her and was like, have fun uh, and then and then left um, and proceeded to see three more of those signs on my way back to the highway and it was something like um like I love you blank it was like her name. it was like her full name too, which is terrifying um and I was just like looking at the sign. like once once she had pointed them out, I couldn't stop seeing those signs. And it was like every 50 or so feet and like along this drive, presumably like on her way to work or something like that, where he knows she would have seen them. Like it was awful. Um, and then on the other side, I'm like, really? You, you went with the, the custom road sign route? Like that was going to work. Like she was going to see those signs and be, wow, he really does care about me and not be terrified. That you're you're stock like in what in what world was that gonna be the one that worked? That's kind of that was where I was thinking. That's that's just as successful an idea of hiring like a skywriter to spell her name out in the sky. It was just like, no. <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna go the way you want it to, bud. Um, and you've just wasted money is what you've just done. Um, in, in making these custom signs. Lord knows how many of those you made. I mean I saw four within a, like a thousand foot radius of each other. So who knows how many an you made, um, but, uh, here's how, she goes, she's everything goes okay there. And I ended up uh, driving back and taking care of all my camping stuff and drying it out and folding it up properly and deflating it properly as well. And it's all been nice and perfectly stashed away. And that was my, that was my little camping trip. The Airbnb was wonderful. Um, although I, it, it really was just an Airbnb, um, just the bed, really. Uh, they provided, air quotes, breakfast, which consisted of two cups of yogurt. Um, and boy, if you couldn't eat dairy, fuck you. You're not eating breakfast. It was okay because I brought my own breakfast. Um, so I was I was fine. I uh I've gotten in the habit of eating like a protein shake and a and a power bar as breakfast in the morning. Probably not the healthiest of things, but it's it gets me through and um allows me to take my vitamins without issue. And then I. We'll probably cut up like an apple or something as well and get some, uh, complex carbohydrates. Um, but it was a really fun adventure and I wanted to, want to talk about that a little bit. Didn't get a lot of pictures, mostly because, um, I've been to Diablo Lake on, on much nicer days and have incredible pictures of that, of that lake. So I didn't really feel the need to snap some shots this time around again. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and it was, it was nice to kind of step away from, from the world for a while and, uh, Get back in touch with nature. Um, but it's probably going to be a while before I kayak again. And if I do, it's got to be somewhere a bit more dynamic in order for me to be a little less bored. And hopefully a bit warmer so I don't have to wear the fucking wetsuit. Um, again, that'd be that'd be nice as well. Let's move on to the next thing of the podcast. Well, Microsoft has finally pulled the trigger on exclusifying uh, Bethesda. And, uh, now on Xbox Game Pass, you get access to, like, every version of Doom that's out there, including the new one, Doom Eternal. Uh, you got Fallout 4, Fallout 76, Prey, Dishonored, Skyrim, Evil Within, Wolfenstein Rage, um, uh, Morrowind and Oblivion. It's all on, it's all on the Xbox Game Pass. And, um, I know a couple of folks, you know, a a non-insignificant amount of the, uh, and the internet has has looked at this move and been like, but but Bethesda, no, I don't why are why is Xbox doing this? Um and I I, I get that. You know, it's it can be kind of annoying when when a game company that was previously multi platform has now been made exclusive to Xbox and PC consoles. I get that. Um but at the same time, exclusivity uh, is seen by some as a tool for uh, driving up the sales of various things. Indeed, um, that's kind of their goal was to pump Xbox Game Pass with, uh, with some more stuff on it. And Bethesda has quite the gaming um, library at their, at their beck and call. And so having access to all those games on the Xbox Game Pass is is definitely not something to be ignored um and my my views on this particular matter are fairly minimal um i mean don't get me wrong i've played skyrim and oblivion and uh even bits of fallouts 3 and 4 um and i liked the evil within i always wanted to play prey and now i can because it's on the xbox game pass which i do which i do have um, that's probably also why it doesn't really impact me because I have the stuff that it accesses. I'm I'm probably the worst person when it comes to like stuff like this because um, I I'm fortunate enough to have access to like every form of of modern gaming because um, I've got the PC, I've got the Switch, and I have my PlayStation Five. So kind of regardless of whatever the game is, I would technically have access to it. course then the flip side of it is it's like when you see your thousand channels on cable and there's nothing to watch um i'm just looking at all these you know great games like games that i know are excellent games um and i feel no desire to play any of them um i'm just kind of like meh you know it's just it's it's there's an option um but no i don't think oh resident evil 7 is on is on fucking Game Pass. I actually kinda wanna play that because I wanna play uh, Resident Evil eight, so um I might I might install that. Anyway. So yeah. Um is it an unexpected move? No, absolutely not. I, I feel like as soon as Microsoft bought Bethesda, uh this was a known um event to occur that they were going to exclusify their 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 whole fucking um Watch me jigger. Uh, what what's the word I'm saying? Library catalog of games. One thing that I think is weird is uh, the Evil Within two isn't on here, um, and I'm not entirely sure why that's the case. Because um, I I know that it existed. The Evil Within two. Why aren't you on the Xbox Game Pass? Um... I'm gonna guess... It's probably some kind of licensing deal. Like, it's probably, uh... Out on something else right now. Um... But I'm sure it will end up on the Xbox Game Pass. Eventually. Um... So, yeah. And, of course, this means that any new games that Bethesda come out with... Will be exclusive to these consoles as well. Um... Which is unfortunate because not everybody has access to an Xbox or a, a, a decent computer to play these games. Um, but that is, that is the, the, the way of the business. Um, and... I mean, here's here's the argument, right, for making things exclusive. If your game is only... If the game is only available on your systems, right? Xbox or PC logic would then dictate that you will either encourage people to acquire the platform necessary to play the game or you will simply just sell you know that's that's the argument you either are trying to encourage people to buy the the system to play the game or when it's multi-platform you just want people to buy the game um and on one hand you can see an argument to be made for maximizing ports of the game across systems right because if your game is available on more than one system you would theoretically increase the amount of people who could play your game so when you see games that come out on like every system under the sun they are trying to maximize profit by maximizing the number of places you can play that game which leads to some really interesting versions of games some of the most interesting versions of games I can think of were, like, the Harry Potter games, the movie tie-in Harry Potter games, because those came out from everything from, like, PC to, like, PlayStation to Xbox, and then you would have, like, the weird handheld runs. I have a Game Boy Advance version of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which is a completely different game than the one that came out on PC. Like, it is, it is top to bottom, just a completely different game. Um and those sorts of those sorts of things i would equate it to like the the straight to dvd versions of disney sequels i think is a great way to compare it because it wasn't like it it was made just to generate money but every now and then um one of those fucking movies or one of those versions of the games would be like the best version of that game and it would come out of nowhere and people would be like the wii u version really all right that's weird um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally up to, to them in the business decision. If it was me, I would have kept Bethesda stuff, um, multi-platform, and what I probably would have done was just, like, for the first, you know, six months to a year of its lifespan, um, it was exclusive to Xbox and then Microsoft, uh, and then that would give the developer time to, like, make the port for PlayStation 5 and stuff like that, and then, send it out um because either way Microsoft would have gotten money um and in that like I think timed exclusives is is the way to go because then you get the best of both worlds right the trick is to just make sure that it's not a timed exclusive for very long but just long enough that people will be encouraged to buy it on the platform or you know they can they can wait that's that's the strat that I would implement if it was if it was my decision I would go with timed exclusivity. I feel like that is the that is the best way to do it. Um, but they're never going to listen to me because they've already made their call. I just wanted to talk about it a little bit because it's a big gaming thing and it's kind of changed the landscape of things a little bit. Bethesda was one of the largest, if not... Well, not w- was. They're still one of the, the largest game developing studios out there. Um, they, had a, they had quite a fucking... Uh, reputation even with all their bugs and stuff like people knew bethesda um and i mean still to this day i love elder scrolls online and i own skyrim on three different consoles which is uh not something i can say for literally any other game so it's got to count for something right move on to the next thing in the podcast more uh xbox game pass news EA Play is coming to Xbox um, Game Pass on PC. It's currently available on the Xbox One, um, but on March 18th, which is my birthday, they they finally transferred over their stuff to PC as well, which brought in a list of 60 games, including things like Jedi Fallen Order, um, all of those fucking sports games that I don't care about, like FIFA and Madden and NHL. Uh, something called Sea of Solitude, which I don't know anything about. Anthem. Woo! Apex Legends. Woo! Battlefield 5, well, That's kind of fun. Um, Unravel 2. A Way Out. Um, that'd be fun to play. Uh, Madden 2019. I'm looking at like the list right now. Something called Fee? What the hell is this? F-E-Fee. Uh, Delight for the eyes and ears. Can you hear the forest speak? Fascinating. It looks kind of artsy. I might check that out. Uh, the Sims 4, that's interesting. Is it just the base game, or is it going to be all of the, the fucking expansions as well? If it was the expansions, that's like a $800 value right there. Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is a great game that I love. Um, Titanfall 2, which I never played, even though I loved Titanfall. Uh, the sequel to Mirror's Edge Catalyst, that'll be kind of fun. The original Unravel, Battlefront. Um, what else we got? Dragon Age uh, Inquisition, Titanfall... Battlefield 4, Crisis, Dead Space, Mass Effect, Alice Madness Returns, Dragon Age 2, more Dead Space, Skate, Dante's Inferno, fuck yeah. I love Dante's Inferno. The God of War game for people who didn't have God of War. Dante's Inferno. Oh, I'm going to play the shit out of that. All right, that's the game I'm really excited about. So I don't know what it was like Dante's Inferno. It is just God of War. Um, but with with the Dante's Inferno stuff, um, and so you encounter a lot of souls that you're like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And it's 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 just kind of a dumb fun uh, game where he has a giant bone scythe. That'll be fun. Um, that's probably the only game we're really excited about. But I, uh, as a Xbox Game Pass member, I enjoy the growing um, library of games that I have access to now. Thanks to Game Pass. Because it's only like $10 a month. And um, all you really need to do is like play one of those like $60 games or two of them. Like that's the thing. Like if, if you thought about how much money it would take to buy all of the games on Xbox Game Pass to own them forever. Granted, you only have these games as long as you pay for the service. But I like to think of it as like Lego sets. The most fun about the Lego set is the building of the lego set and then when you're done you just have this hunk of plastic that takes up a lot of space and all you can really do with it at that point is take it apart put it away and maybe someday you'll build it again that's the that's what i think about with video games like if i play the game and beat the game i may have a desire to play it again but like who knows when that's going to be um so that's that's what i see i would rather like rent these games and experience the game and then like move on with my life for the next experience than have like this fucking wall of video games as like a as like a symbol of anything like yes i've played all of these games um so that's that's kind of my my view on it um same reason why I like I like having Netflix and Disney Plus and stuff like that it gives me access to all these great movies without having to like have shelves upon shelves of physical DVDs you know on one hand sure I could watch that movie literally whenever I want without having to pay per month for the accessibility to see that but for me and right now I would rather pay a little bit per month to have that access so yeah works. it works for me um, and I want to get some of these games installing because there are definitely a couple on here that I want to, I want to try, um, and see how, uh, see how it goes. So yeah, So my next thing in the podcast. Well, it is that time of the month again. We have another box of snacks, another snack box. It's probably going to be the last thing we do in this podcast episode because we got a lot of snacks to dive into. We are off to the wonderful uh, country of Germany. I'm not going to look at the book because it's spoilers. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm already not excited about some of these. Okay. Um, well, let us just empty the box here and see what we've got. First thing we've got is Zvibels, Zweibels? Zweibels. Uh, which appear to be some form of onion ring crisp thing. Onion-flavored rings is what this is described as. Um, they look like they are, yeah, just like onion and the, either green onion or celery. I think it's just onion. I think it's just both types of onion. So, an onion-flavored ring. Crisp ring. Doesn't smell like anything. It looks more like calamari than it does onion rings. They, they are like little round puff donuts. Oh. Yep, that's onion flavor. Okay. We're done with those. (laughs) Ah. It tastes like a dry Cheeto. Covered in vaguely onion flavored dust. Fascinating. Up next is Palm's Ketchup. Which appears to be a bag of ketchup flavored french fries. From the same company ketchup flavored potato sticks well let's wash out the uh, the dry cheeto onion flavor with some uh ketchupy potato stick flavors it does smell like ketchup they look like veggie sticks I'm not gonna eat a whole one I'm just gonna take a little nibble here yep that is indeed a A potato steak that tastes of ketchup. It is better than the onion-flavored dried Cheetos, but not by much. Alright, up next is... Spreebwoofer Almond Cinnamon Creme Filled Wafers. Now we're talking. Now we are talking. Apparently, there are three servings in here. Let's crack this open. They look like wafer cookies. uh, Like the long, kind of skinny ones. Um, what was the what was the filling almond cinnamon Almond cinnamon yeah it smells like cinnamon Mmm. huh yeah oh that works a treat hmm you get that cinnamon and there is an after hint of almond I'm gonna eat all of these these are awesome home uh-huh. all right. One winner so far. Couple more to go. Let's see this one. Um Sun Rice. Crunchy chocolate with puffed rice crispies. Milk and cereal flavored. The fuck? Alright. Well, it looks like a puffed rice crispy bar. Covered in chocolate. Flavored like milk and cereal. Interesting. I'll just take a corner bite and see how this goes. Yep. Yeah. No. Uh-huh. I remember this shit when I was a kid. These like cereal bars where I had, like this milk flavored yogurty cream to it. Yep. Oh, that flavor does not work for me. It's not bad, but the chocolate doesn't fit. It's like too bitter. Um, that's a bizarre flavor. I'm not a fan of that one. Uh, we got two more to go. Choco Monk Strawberry Rhubarb Premium White Chocolate Bar. Premium white chocolate with strawberry rhubarb crumble either on the bottom or mixed in. Okay, well, unlike most people I know, I do like white chocolate. Um, has a weird look to it. Like somebody dipped Fruity Pebbles in a thing of white chocolate. Um, It's also thick. Like it's a fucking... It's a beefy bar. Let's just snap off a little square here. Oh, (laughs) Yeah, no. Um. Wow, it's sweet. Mm Mmm. It does very much taste like somebody dipped Fruity Pebbles into white chocolate. That is strong. Mmm. But it's okay. It's not bad. It's so sweet, though. Oh, it's so sweet. It's like pure sugar. Wow. All right. Last thing. There's no little bag of, like, random bullshit in in this month's box. It is just one, two, three, four, five, six items. The final thing in here is a Qualitat's marzipan. That is... Chocolate-covered marzipan, which I believe is almond-flavored sugar paste, essentially, so. Yep. That's, That's what that is. Can't shake a stick of that. I like almond. I like chocolate. I like almond paste, so that's pretty good. So, two winners out of this box. The almond cinnamon wafer crisps, which are phenomenal. And the, the Mars pan's okay. Everything else I can, I can take it or leave it. The uh, the weirdest things are definitely the ketchup flavored potato sticks and the onion flavored rings. It upsets me that I don't, that's it. They're just called rings. It doesn't really tell you like what the fuck they are. They're just rings. You're not even sure what you're eating there. So that one kind of freaks me out. Um, overall, not bad, but definitely not the best box we've seen. That one still goes to the Ukraine for some reason. Um, yeah, no, those were, they were pretty decent. Big fan of those fucking wafer crisps. Those are those are fucking awesome. Loving those. So yeah, there you go. Thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode of the Going Upcast. I'm going to finish these snacks and uh, enjoy the, the rest of my birthday week. And I will see you all next time for another brand new episode. Have a good one, everyone.